0: Welcome to Asia Abridged, where we present the best moments from Asia Society programs in 15 minutes or less. I'm Michelle Flor Today, we're discussing how artificial intelligence, or AI, is shaping the future of national security and warfare. Apps and software tools like Apple's Siri and Amazon's Alexa have already introduced the idea of AI to the public with the purpose of enhancing daily life. But what would it look like if AI tools were used to help determine, engage, and eliminate perceived threats? Rapid development in the private sector and investment by governments suggests that interest in using AI to advance autonomous weapons is only going to grow. As technological developments continue, it's clear that a rivalry between the U.S., China, and other global powers has formed, and China seems to be taking the lead. A panel of experts recently gathered at the Asia Society Policy Institute in Washington, D.C., discussing current global concerns as they relate to AI and how the technology is adopted by the military. Here is Heather Roth, an associate fellow at the Leverhulme Center for the Future of Intelligence at the University of Cambridge. She discusses the misleading and exaggerated imagery of what artificial intelligence is and how it can be used and misused.
1: We actually do um, have a, a strong notion of what an autonomous weapon system is. And that is a system that can select and engage targets and use force against those targets. So if you are in the United States and you are part of the DOD, that means that it is a, a weapon system that can select and, a, and engage a target uh, without the intervention of a human operator. When when you're talking about a, a system that can go off, find a target, use force against that target without a human operator pointing, selecting, engaging, clicking, firing, okay? Um, and so this, Yes, there are definitely semi-autonomous weapon systems in, in in use today. We have you know autonomous flight capabilities. We have autonomous systems and submersibles. Um, but the crux of the matter for lethal autonomy is that select and engage part, right? We don't care if a system can loiter forever by itself. That's not the issue in the United States. That's not the issue in the United Nations. We don't care if it can. Um, remain indefinitely you know, in, the, in space or under the seas. What we care about is when that decision to use lethal force is enacted. And I say decision, right? Was it a commander that circumscribed an area and said anything within this area is a, is a go or a no-go? What are the characteristics on which I decide to fire or use lethal force against a target? Is it a signal? Is it a face? Is it just proximity? Is it because you're in this area? So I think those are the kinds of questions that need um, answering. And so when the ambassador says things about we need to talk about human-machine teaming, to me that's a ruse. Of course there's humans in warfare. Of course a human is going to deploy a system. There's a human commander at the heart of every single decision to use lethal force. The question is, how removed is that commander from the point in time, from that decision to use lethal force? So if I say, this is the big target, loiter there for three months, anything that comes in, kill it. That would be a fundamental violation of the international laws of armed conflict, because you cannot decide proportionate responses when you have a pre-scripted notion. You don't know if there's civilians inside. You don't know what's happening. You don't know the changes. And so that's why I think with, with understanding killer robots, this is not a humanoid with red eyes, despite all of the popular press that you might see about killer robots and terminators. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about systems that can move, locate, target, track, use force against.
0: Josh Marcuse, executive director of the Defense Innovation Board at the United States Department of Defense, says that progress in developing autonomous weapons and artificial intelligence for military application has gained a significant amount of attention and funding in the United States. But is it enough?
2: See, I won't use the phrase uh, arms race, but I will say that it, it should be clear to everyone we are in a strategic competition. And technology has always played a central role in these competitions, the technology that will define our era is going to be this one it's going to be artificial intelligence we don't today have a clearly articulated strategy for how we are going to pursue dominance in the field of artificial intelligence for national security purposes Uh, china does have that china has made announcements about their investments in this area Um, there are considerable financial investments it's a considerable proportion of their investments, suggesting that it's a it's a real priority for them. I don't think that the defense budget that we have requested reflects the same sense of urgency. It certainly doesn't reflect the same investment. From a clearly defined, well-articulated priority and action plan from an investment standpoint, all these areas would suggest not necessarily that we're behind, um, but that China is doing an awful lot. and. I'm not as sure that we know exactly what it is that we're doing. And then the last thing I'll say, which I think is the most important and underappreciated insight in this competition, and that is data. The first nation state to amass the most data and exploit it for military advantage will be the global hegemon, because you need all that data to train your algorithms. And so if you look at this from a geopolitical competition for control of data, think about who has access to the most data and how is that data used. The fact that the West respects the privacy of its citizens gives it an immense disadvantage in the race to accumulate the most data. So the example I like to use is if you decide that there's a military advantage to facial recognition and everyone in China is looking at a phone and the government can have a snapshot of anything that that camera can see, and they can use that data for any purpose they want, their algorithms are going to be trained faster and more accurately than ours. So American business versus Chinese business in AI, America has a great advantage. Chinese military versus U.S. military, that's a really different picture. And again, I won't characterize it by saying we're behind, but I'll say again, that's a really different picture and one that all citizens should be very concerned about.
0: According to R. Shashank Reddy, a researcher with Carnegie, India, pressure to expedite AI research to keep up with China can be felt in India as well.
3: For India specifically, it's necessary to know that technologically, India is significantly behind the US, China, Japan, Israel and all. But in the last six to eight months, there's been a lot of interest and activity in the potential of AI for Indian defense and national security. And it comes down to primarily two reasons. The first is external. The fact that China is doing so much means that even if a vast majority of Indian policymakers do not understand what autonomous weapons are or what artificial intelligence is, like they say, okay, fine, China's doing this this will increase the gap, so we need to do this. Now let's figure out what we mean by doing this, right? Uh, so so that's broadly the thinking right now, which is why these task forces have been established and all of them in the last three to four months. The second is internal, in that uh, the Indian army specifically mm. faces a very unique situation in that its manpower costs are ballooning. Mm. As of the last budget, the pension bills are actually more than the expenditure on capital acquisition, on acquiring new systems, which becomes a big problem going forward because if you spend more than 60% of your defense budget on just paying pensions. So now you have all these generals and uh, bureaucrats in the Ministry of Defense who are trying to look at AI as one of the potential new technologies that could help India, if not become the global leader, at least retain a defensive edge. Mm -hmm. Again, this is basically vis-à-vis China.
0: Thanks for listening to Asia Abridged. If you'd like to hear more, you can check out our show page at asiasociety.org podcast. And you can subscribe to the Asia Society podcast on iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Asia Society. Until next time, this is Michelle Flor